Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, The Case for Dykeman, and ask me questions if I was confusing. At some point in the next two, three, four years, the name Greg Dykeman will probably become a bone of contention. A bone of contention because as people look at the Cubs roster now, or now in the next four years, Greg Dykeman might look like a piece that does not belong. A piece that, well, we tried that and it didn't work. That very well may be the case. And in the long play of things, that may even be accurate. But this podcast is a is the case for Greg Dykeman. The case for keeping him on the 40-man roster, at least for the foreseeable future. The Cubs recently signed Seiya Suzuki, and Suzuki will, I will say, further clutter the Cubs' 40-man roster as far as the outfield. The Cubs' 40-man roster, as far as the outfield, right now is quite cluttered. I'm going to run through the names of the players that are outfielders on the Cubs 40-man roster right now. Alexander Canario, Greg Dykeman, Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, Michael Hermosillo, Jason Hayward, Rafael Ortega, Harold Ramirez, Seiya Suzuki, and Nelson Velazquez. Basically, that's a whole bunch of players you aren't familiar with that much. With, well, let me see. Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, and Jason Hayward thrown in. And a whole bunch of guys you're not familiar with. A whole bunch of guys you're not familiar with. So what's going to happen is the Cubs are trimming down to the 40-man roster, which you're going to have to do. Some players are going to have to get designated for assignment and eventually let go of. And one of the names that some people are going to push for as far as those decisions will be Greg Dykeman. Because a lot of people are, I'm familiar with this guy. So that means I'm going to prioritize him over this other guy. Basically, that's how it works. So basically, with the Cubs looking for a number of players who are going to have to get designated for assignment, what with all the relievers the Cubs have brought in? And boy, goodness, have the Cubs brought in a bunch of relievers. I don't know if they'll be any good or not, but they brought in a bunch of relievers. So somebody is going to eventually have to go. Alexander Canario, I doubt it will be him. Dykeman, hold that thought. Clint Frazier, looking at the ages of birth, Clint Frazier 
is a September of 94 baby. Greg Dykeman is a May of 95 baby. So they're what? Eight, nine months apart. Dykeman slightly younger than Clint Frazier. Um, Ian Happ, we know about him. Michael Hermosillo, uh, April of, uh, January of, seven, uh, January of 95, baby. So he is slightly younger than Clint Frazier, slightly older than Greg Dykeman. Michael Hermosillo, will he survive the DFA purge? Should he survive the DFA purge? Rafael Ortega's in there. We'll see how that works. Harold Ramirez, 9-16-94, which makes him... Oh, let me look at this. 9-16. Makes him 10 days... Um, 9-6-94. 9 6 Oh, no. He, he and Clint Frazier were born on the same day. So, Harold Ramirez and Clint Frazier were born on the same day. They are exactly the same age, so that means that they are right about the same age as Greg Dykeman and Clint Frazier. Carrying on down the list, we also have Seiya Suzuki, who is an, uh, an August of 94 baby, so he's really not that far off. Then, uh... Alexander uh, Nelson Velazquez, who was born in 98. So at some point, some of these players are going to be, and eh, no, we're not going to give you a chance. Basically, that's what it's going to be. They're going to get designated for assignment, be made available to the entire league. And the question is, which order should Harold Ramirez, Michael Hermosillo, Clint Frazier, Greg Dykeman and Alexander Canario, what in what order should those players be made available to other teams, in which order, and under which logic? Now, there's the important thing from where I look at it, and under which logic. It's not a case of, oh, well, I like that guy, so he should not get designated for assignment. Like has no bearing on anything. Like has no bearing on anything. What is your evidence that this person should be given a legitimate shot as opposed to this other person? Now, looming over this entire situation is, at some point, Jason Hayward, all the... all the good wishes and stuff, at some point, I would not be at all surprised if he gets let go. I really wouldn't. I was completely into hanging on to him, at least through the lockout. But as of right now, is there any evidence that? Is there any evidence that Jason Hayward is a better baseball player than Rafael Ortega? Simply. Is there any evidence that Jason Hayward is a better player right now than Rafael Ortega? Basically, they're two years apart as far as age. Rafael Ortega is younger. Is there any evidence that Rafael Ortega is a, uh, that 
Jason Hayward is a better player for the next two years than Rafael Ortega. <laughs> if Ortega is a better player than Hayward, Ortega should stick around longer than Hayward, and Hayward should be the one to go irrespective of any cash considerations. And if it ends up getting to that, then that's one additional spot for all those other players to get a look. Okay, now, here, as I said, is the case for Greg Dykeman. The case for Greg Dykeman has nothing to do with Greg Dykeman. The case for Greg Dykeman has to do with Frank Schwindel. If you look at people who were assessing Frank Schwindel in July, July of last year, the general consensus was Frank Schwindel, terrible player, horrible player, wasted pickup, shouldn't be with the Cubs, shouldn't be with the Chicago Cubs, shouldn't be, shouldn't be, shouldn't be, shouldn't be. And all of a sudden, oh, he's doing well. Well, he's getting lucky. He's lucky. Yeah, that's it. He's lucky. He just got lucky that... Here's how it works. If you have a player who is up to a certain level of quality, pitcher, catcher, right fielder, third base coach, if the person involved is up to a certain level of quality, whatever that is, he might be ready to succeed. Or he might not be ready to succeed. Or he might never be ready to be good enough to succeed. And there's only one way a team will ever find out which case it is. One way, one way, one chance, one opportunity, one way to know. That opportunity is, that option is, we're going to let you play 10 days in a row. Go out and play. Cubs did that with Rafael Ortega eventually when they traded Jack Peterson. Hey, Rafael Ortega, you see that place out in center field? You go play there. You go play center field. We're going to have you play center field because right now we don't really have anybody else. You go out and play center field. You're going to be our center fielder for most of the rest of the season. And guess what? He did really well. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. I certainly didn't know that. I thought Ortega was on his way out of town five or six different times. Cubs bring in Frank Schwindel. Why'd they bring him in? Should have kept Rizzo. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, why are they going to play this guy? He, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he hit really well. Oh, okay. Maybe he is good. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. If you have no skin in the game, your opinion means nothing. I'm going to say that again two more times. If you have no skin in the game, your opinion means nothing. If you have no skin in the game, your opinion means nothing. Nothing at all. So, let's say your job is entirely reliant upon you being quicker than other people on the uptake as far as this guy actually might be kind of good. If that's your job, if that's your job, 
then your opinion matters. If your job is to sit on the sidelines, make sarcastic comments, get really snarky, and then eventually, after however long, however long, however long, oh, well, Frank Schwindel's not as bad as I thought he was. Your opinion matters if you're going to put your skin on the line. Your opinion matters if you're going to put your skin on the line. If you're just saying, eh, well, I don't really think this guy's any good, then eventually ends up being any good. And your response is, oh, well, I was wrong. Who cares? You know, I, I was wrong. It's not my job to know. Then your opinion matters not at all. Not at all. Not at all. If you want your opinion to be of any importance, if you want your opinion to be of any importance at all whatsoever, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. I'm going to say that a couple more times. If you want your opinion to matter, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. If you want your opinion to matter at all, even remotely, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Nobody, somebody else might hold you to a higher standard. Somebody else might not hold you to a higher standard. For your opinion to matter, you have to hold yourself to, wow, I was wrong on that. I have to get smarter. I have to get better. A couple days ago, someone and I were discussing something on YouTube that has absolutely nothing to do with baseball. Absolutely nothing. And three people were mentioned. Whether their name was specifically mentioned or not, not really the issue, but there's person A, person B, person C. Person A and person B did a specific thing in common. Person C did something different from person A and B, but kind of a little bit of a complimentary fashion. So I was commenting on how these three people, by what they had done, basically provided each other with a bit of cover. I would say alibi, but cover is more the applicable term here. And um, the person who I was arguing with took issue with what I was saying. We'd been having a back and forth a bit. And uh, he made a comment saying that the one person who did this one specific thing should be disregarded. So, okay, that's fine. Which one person did that? Which one specific person of those three did that thing, what that you were saying? Because none of them did. If you're going to be considered relevant, if your opinion is going to be considered of any value whatsoever, be accurate. Be accurate and have opinions that kind of sometimes occasionally make sense. Greg Dykeman was the second round draft pick out of LSU. As of through his career, he's kind of struggled a little bit because, one, he's not a pure power hitter. Two, 
he's not really fast. Three, he's not a fantastic right fielder. D, am I doing A, B, C, D, or one, two, three, four? His game is his bat. His game is his bat, but his bat, but not power. He is a slash hitter. I will use the name Larry Bittner in reference to Greg Dykeman. I don't know how many of you remember the recently um, deceased Larry Bittner. He hit line drives. He hit line drives. Occasionally they would turn into home runs, but he hit line drives. That was what he did offensively. He wasn't a great fielder. He wasn't a great runner, but he hit line drives. Dykeman is a perfectly capable right fielder at the minor league level. Probably not a pure major league right fielder yet. But his game is his bat. 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 So what ends up happening, the Cubs called him up for 18 days. I looked it up. They called him up for 18 days and sent him back down to the minor leagues. He was never the guy who, you're going to go out and you're going to start for 10, 14, 20 days, and we are going to assess you on how you do over those 14, 18, 20, 25, 30, 60 days. He never had that chance with the Cubs. Is Greg Dykeman any good? I don't know. But he was a second-round draft pick out of LSU. He hit well in college at the SEC level. My hunch is Greg Dykeman at some point with some team ought to be given a completely legitimate look. You are going to be a starter. You're going to be a starter for, I don't know, a month and a half, two. You're going to be the guy. You're going to go out there and you're going to start. Now, as of right now, suddenly the Cubs situation doesn't look too totally ideal for that because the Cubs are soon going to have Brennan Davis. They're going to have Seiya Suzuki. Throw in a little bit of Ian Happ. Throw in a little bit of Jason Hayward. Throw in a little bit of whoever the heck else they're going to throw in. You know, toss in a little Clint Frazier. Toss in a little... It's going to get a bit cluttered, and Dykeman probably isn't in an ideal spot for himself because there are players nipping at his heels who are better than he is. There are some other players who are already on the 40-man roster that are also outfielders. It's not an ideal situation for Dykeman. But Dykeman should be given at least a while to get adjusted to professional baseball because minor league baseball players who played minor league baseball in 2020, as was one of the formative years for Greg Dykeman, didn't play any baseball. Greg Dykeman didn't play any baseball in 2020 because there was no baseball for him to play. That's a crusher. That's a crusher. Then, as he's finally getting used to the A's organization, the A's traded him to the Cubs. And presumably, with the A's, he had somebody who he used as a sounding board. Hey, you know, I'm having a little bit of trouble. Should I do this? Should I do a little bit more of that? Should I, am I a slash hitter? Am I a power hitter? What, what am I trying to do? Then he gets traded to the Cubs. And with Greg Dykeman, 
Patience is the operative word. I don't know that the Cubs are going to be able to have enough patience to allow Greg Dykeman to be a regular for a month. I don't know that the Cubs are going to be able to do that. But in the current situation, in their current situation, Dykeman really ought to be a regular in Des Moines for the I-Cubs for a while. Two months, three months. How's he doing in two months, three months in Des Moines playing for the I-Cubs? If he's seriously not getting it done there, then designating him for assignment makes all the sense in the world. Baseball players get better on consistency. Consistent at-bats. Consistent innings. If you have a relief pitcher who we're going to send you out on Tuesday... You're going to pitch an inning, maybe four or five hitters. Then you're going to come out. So we're going to pitch on Tuesday. Then we're going to send you back out on Friday. Then we're going to send you back out on Sunday. And we're going to send you back out on Wednesday. And we're just going to keep sending you out there until you either show us you're figuring this out or there's no point in sending you out anymore. Consistency is how players get better. Which leads us back to Frank Schwindel again. Frank Schwindel was in the Royals system forever. And it just didn't look like he was ever going to get a proper look with the Major League Club for whatever reason. He he eventually ended up going to Oakland. Didn't look like he was going to get an honest look there either. Oakland ran him through the DFA wire, and the Cubs seemed to have this little hunch that they were going to trade their first baseman. So they said, you know what, let's claim Frank Schwindel, use Frank Schwindel as our first baseman in August and September, and see what he does, because we don't know how he'll do. Put him out there, see what he does. He's done fairly well, though not amazingly well in the minor leagues, so let's just send him out there and see how he does. He did really well. You couldn't have known that he was going to do really well. You couldn't have known that he wasn't going to do really well because the only way you can find out how a player is going to do if he's given regular at-bats is to, exactly, give him regular at-bats and then you find out. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and that's the most complete, honest thing you can say. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and then you'll learn from there. That's all you can know. When the Cubs decide, we're going to have Brennan Davis be our starter in right fielder, center fielder, left fielder, whatever. When they send him out, you know what you're going to know? What you're going to know is you're not going to know. When he gets out there for three weeks in a row, five weeks in a row, seven weeks in a row, nine weeks in a row, playing regular time against Major League Pitching, after a while, oh, oh, okay. Now I'm starting to get familiar with him. Now I'm starting to get a book on him. One of the college games I was listening to today. One of the college games I was listening to today, one of the announcers of the team who was losing 
was talking about how, you know, all our games now are televised. They're all televised. Midweek games, they're televised. All three games on the weekend, they're televised. Everyone is watching our team play. They're watching all of the games. They're putting together books on all of the players, all of the college players at the college level, at the top echelon schools are being fully scouted. There are no mysteries anymore. At the college level, there are no mysteries anymore at the major college level. Frank Schwindel came out to play for the Cubs. Who the hell is this guy? He hadn't been fully scouted yet. Came in, got hot, did fairly well at the start. They scouted him. He kept doing well. He kept doing well. He kept doing well. You're only going to know how well a player will do if he gets an honest chance to play. I want Greg Dykeman to be able to have that chance with someone somewhere before the Cubs designate him for assignment. The Cubs 40-man roster can only have 40 players, and the Cubs already have way more outfielders than is particularly comfortable. You can be a big fan of Clint Frazier. You can be a big fan of Michael Hermosillo. You can be a big fan of whoever the heck you want to be. But I really find it hard to believe that Michael Hermosillo... Or Clint Frazier will do that well with Chicago to absolutely claim a regular roster spot. A regular spot in the order. A regular spot in the routine. And the players like that are the ones who are going to fade away and disappear the same presumably will happen with Sergio Alcantara, who, while he wasn't necessarily given two or three months as a starter, was given enough time to show that he's probably not going to be that guy. Your opinion matters if you are willing to take punishment for being wrong. Your opinion matters if you are willing to take punishment for being wrong. I'm not going to say that Greg Dykeman will be a completely legitimate major league hitter. I do think, though, that Dykeman should be in Iowa playing every day, every day, every day, every day, pretty much. For the first eight or nine weeks of the iCubs season. And if he does particularly well, you note, hey, Greg Dykeman is doing particularly well. And if he's not doing particularly well, then you can assess, hey, Greg Dykeman is not doing particularly well. Base your 
evidence on what is currently going on. Frank Schwindel deserves a look as the Cubs starting first baseman because given his first chance to be a regular, he did well. Players who have never had that opportunity, that should be kept in mind. The Cubs are going to be designating players for assignment rather rapidly. Pitchers, outfielders, relievers especially. I hope the Cubs put Miguel Amaya on the 60-day injured list. Save our roster spot. The case for Greg Dykeman to retain a 40-man roster spot is it's really not good baseball to surrender a player before you've given him a chance. While I think Dykeman is by far the second most valuable piece in the return for a player who Oakland no longer has, Daniel Palencia was the number one in that trade. Since Dykeman is with the Cubs, I would like to see the Cubs give Dykeman a chance to see who he is for at least six or seven months, uh, six or seven weeks in Des Moines. And if he hits well, there's information. If he hits poorly, there's information. There are going to be better ways around a 40-man roster crunch such as the Cubs are in. For instance, David Bodie is on the 60-day list. Adbra Elzelay is on the 60-day list. Brad Wick is on the 60-day list. Or they will be. I'm not sure who's all there. But um, Greg Dykeman should be given seven weeks in Des Moines to see how he does. Because frankly, I don't know what to expect from him. And I don't think you do either. If your opinion is such that, well, I don't know, so I'm just going to take a guess. Well, that's fine. But then your opinion doesn't matter. Greg Dykeman should be given seven weeks in Iowa to show, is he a guy who can actually hit or is, a guy, is he a guy who isn't going to hit? And it's going to be tight in Iowa because Nelson Velazquez is going to get some at-bats. Brandon Davis is going to get some at-bats. Donnie DeWeese is going to get some at-bats. It's not going to be easy for everybody to get all the at-bats they're going to want to get. But Dykeman ought to have seven or eight weeks, six or seven or eight weeks to show who the heck he is. If after six or seven or eight weeks, his OPS is 735, then yeah, DFA him. If his OPS is 1147, then you don't DFA him. And what's the only way you're going to find out how he's going to do over a seven-week period as a regular starter for the Iowa Cubs in 2022? Ding! Let him play. Greg Dykeman should not be designated for assignment this Preseason.
Dykeman should be a regular for the I-Cubs in AAA at the start of the season so we can see who he is. And from that, assess whether he should be designated for assignment a little bit later. And if he is struggling, then yeah, that's how it goes. Because baseball is a cruel business. But give him the opportunity to see who he is. Give him the opportunity to show off what he has, whatever that is. Then assess him from there. Assessing a person from, well, I don't know, his name sounds kind of funny, is bad baseball business. Assess baseball players based on how well they do on the baseball field and mainly that. When Greg Dykeman has six or seven or eight weeks worth of AAA numbers in 2022, then it will be completely legitimate to assess his 40-man roster spot on how he has done over those six or seven or eight weeks. But not until then. There are better ways to go around that. There are other players who can be made available. There are other relievers who can get designated for assignment as well. There's going to be a whole lot of that going on. And do not, do not, do not, do not, do not rule out players getting injured over the next couple of weeks. Because that seems to be how things work. Don't designate someone for assignment until it's absolutely necessary. Greg Dykeman should get his six or seven or eight weeks in Des Moines to show how good of a triple-A hitter he really is. And then from there, we can assess, hey, now we actually have some information, some steady data, and assess his 40-man roster spot based on how he's doing in Des Moines. We didn't know how Frank Schwindel would do until Frank Schwindel was given a chance to be who Frank Schwindel was. Greg Dykeman should get the same opportunity, and that opportunity should be in Des Moines in 2022. Thanks for stopping by.